0: Hi, I'm Garth
1: Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders.
2: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell.
3: With the 500 over, the wait for Bathurst has begun. It's our grand final, with the drivers starting to look at the quality of the field. A lot more of the part-time drivers in the category. Man, it's just it's just thrown at white. Junior will stay at Jim Beam Racing. We look at all that and more today, as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Last week, Mark Scaife, Russell Engle, and championship leader James Courtney took a chopper with their engineers to Mount Panorama in the build-up to the super-cheap Autos 1000. Every
2: time you drive or come into the place, you think, wow, what an unbelievable racetrack.
3: Triple-A engineer Jeremy Moore talked about the things that can go wrong on race day.
4: Exactly. You sort of have a, a
0: mud map of what you really want to do, but uh, you know, safety car comes or
5: a downpour or have clutch issues like last year, just... Throw it, you throw it out the window and start from scratch again, basically.
3: Russell Ingle said the field this year looks completely different, and there are even more teams that have a potential to win.
0: I can't believe after the Phillip Island race um, how many combinations that could have won that race. It's going to be great, it's great for the sport.
3: And who does the enforcer think will be the victor?
0: I, I'm really hoping, oh, like, of course, I'm hoping we're going to win it, but I'm hoping it'll be a left field team and drive a combination that'll win it, you know, and it's quite possible as well.
3: James Courtney talks talked about the aura of the circuit.
5: Even with no one here and uh, no cars, there's still that little bit of history and and whatever lurking around, so it definitely gets you excited. Well, Courtney's
3: teammate at Jim Beam Racing, Stephen Johnson, has been confirmed as staying with the team. Charlie Swalkholt telling the V8 insiders that he has been surprised at the amount of speculation the team has had over the past few weeks. Both our drivers at the moment are in contracts and, and they're all safe and secure, and and so there's no movement. So, what more can I say? And is he looking to get a fourth wreck and increase the team size? Oh, we're looking at all sorts of options. The web situation's been extremely good for us. Jonathan's a great guy. Is there Steve? Terrific people to deal with, and they've been a great thing. So if I can find another one like that, yeah, I'd, I'd bring them on for sure. If there was someone right and with a wreck, the whole thing. But at this stage, there's no one out there that I know of, and. Uh, yeah, so we'll look at all sorts of opportunities, but there's nothing there at the moment. And what about all that speculation that had Will Davison returning to Jim Beam Racing? Will's a good guy, and, and he, he was part of our my early days here, and, yeah, again, looking at all sorts of options. Scott Dixon flew back into Australia to check out his ride at the Armour Oil 600, dropping into the Kelly Racing Workshops. Todd Kelly said Dixon couldn't wait to see the cars.
0: It's fantastic to see how keen. He is to get here and try and work through all those things and get a bit of a jump on the other guys, so um, hopefully we'll have a top weekend.
3: Kelly talked about the quality of the internationals in the 600 field. And these guys are all obviously uh, full-time in their
0: own championships and their own teams and their own cars, so our event at the Gold Coast is a pretty big thing and takes a, a lot of effort and a lot of dedication to to do what they're doing.
3: And how does the toddler think Scott Dixon will fit into his car in that interesting combination of an international with a regular driver.
0: There's no doubt in my mind that I've got the right uh, right bloke in the car with me. And...
3: Dixon spoke about the pressure he understands he'll be under to make sure he doesn't ruin Todd's championship.
0: You know, uh, for us I think it's, it's more to try and come here and do a good job and help the team that you're coming with because it's still a championship round. So there is a lot of pressure and, and something that you've definitely got to take it seriously.
3: Dixon's looking forward to the chance to get back onto the Gold Coast circuit following IndyCar's decision Decision to depart from the event.
0: World, well, you know, for me it's like coming back home and, and uh, doing something I'm used to. But I think the best word is going to be interesting. It's going to be a fantastic race and, and definitely something that everybody's going to love to watch.
3: Dixon's schedule is flat out leading up to the Armor Oil 600 because they've got one more race in the IndyCar Championship. And then
0: pretty much two weeks later we're down here and running the uh, the V8 car. So it's come around extremely fast. But definitely uh, it's been much anticipated. and I can't wait to to get there.
3: And of course, how is the uh, Kiwi Aussie rivalry going to play out? With Dixon seeing a lot of the drivers he used to kick around with years ago.
0: It's, uh, it's always nice to, to see the competition, the friendly competition, I like to call it, between the Aussies and Kiwis. And, and I'm a bit of a mix myself, born in Brisbane, but, you know, uh, obviously travel on a, on a Kiwi passport. So, you know, for me, uh, lots of, you know, friends uh, with, with Jason Richards and, and obviously Greg Murphy and, and uh, Coulthard... Uh, it's been a long time since I've raced with them, so you know it's going to be good to catch up with them. But um, you know, hopefully we can fly the flag. The
3: Clipsal date has been announced next year. The event will be on the 17th to the 20th of March, with the Deputy Premier of South Australia, Kevin Foley, confirming the event will remain the first race on home soil. It is the first event to have its official date announced, with a full lineup of supports and music acts being rolled out at the Adelaide Casino on Wednesday. We speak more about that event. In the round table Along with this one It's the V8 Supercars Receiving the Pro Max Award For the Best Sports Promo And the Best Sports Event Promo category With the pink ads on the 7 Network we look at that in more detail Also in Controversy Corner That's next when Luke West And Richard Crail joins me Because that's the news On the Van Insiders Stay with us We've got a great white flag lap We talk about one of the biggest crashes In V8 Supercar history And of course you've seen the accidents results in this edition of v8x magazine you've taken the v8 to the races you watch the action
2: on tv now read about them in v8x magazine v8x magazine dedicated to just one thing
3: Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder
2: Media is strictly prohibited.
3: Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. The voice of the Fujitsu series joins us this week. Luke West, of course, who writes for V8X Magazine and Auto Action. Good evening, Luke. G'day, Craig. G'day, Richie. And of course, you've heard it there, Richard Crowell from SBS's Speed Week, who uh, has been extremely busy with the amount of stuff you've been covering lately.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, guys, a busy uh, part of the year in motorsport for uh, everything V8s and everything not. So uh, it's going to be a big end of the season, looking forward to it.
3: It is indeed, and with the build up to Bathurst, and we saw drivers and crew chiefs all out there following the LNH 500 last week the uh, build-up to the Clipsal 500 kicked off to the this week. And, uh, Richard, you're at the launch there at the Adelaide Casino, and uh, hopefully you walked away with more you, than you walked in with.
1: Oh, I did. I've got to send a shout-out to uh, the media crew, Mike and Penny, uh, for the world's best-ever media kit. Uh, as Luke will attest to, the one way of getting media coverage is to ply the journos with booze. Um, and they've... Uh, not that we're susceptible to such kind of things, like, but um, uh, they've they've done a wonderful job. Look, Clitzel we, we talk about year in year out, and it is the big event. It's the biggest race of the year. It gets the most crowd, and every year you go, how is it going to get bigger? How is it going to get better? But somehow they manage to um, make it bigger and better, and despite the fact we're in the recession or the, we've had the economic downturn, the money's tight in families they announced the figures today and you have to believe it when you see the people that rock up that um they've already sold 66 percent of all grandstand seating and there's something like 50,000 grandstand seats at that race um they've sold 85 percent of corporate and both of those figures are up 15 percent on the same time last year so the event could conceivably sell itself out before the uh, march comes around early next year third weekend in march so it keeps growing. They're introducing some night racing for next year with the GT Championship on Thursday night, or Friday night. Sorry, they're going to have a one-hour GT Enduro, which is going to be very, very cool. Uh, it goes back a couple of years to when they had a, a Nations Cup race there late on uh, on one night, which was very spectacular. Um, the event just gets bigger and better. They're having a massive 80s concert and fireworks display on uh, Saturday night, which I'll be there with bells on. Um, it's just shaping up to be another massive event and uh, keeps getting bigger and bigger.
3: Luke, the bands. The, have you seen the list of bands that they've announced? Uh, I remember going and seeing these guys twenty years ago. Mondo Rock, Uncanny X Men, <laughs> uh, Pseudo Echo, and the Chantuzies. And uh, what a lineup of what a lineup of bands! That's just worth the price of admission alone.
5: <laughs> well, they are the trailblazer for all the reasons that Richie has mentioned. With uh, the Eclipseal five hundred being the street race that put. Street race is very much on V8 Supercars' agenda to uh, uh, to punctuate the calendar. They also this new rock and race formula that will be introduced for the first time at Surfers Paradise. It's again it started adding the end of day concerts at Clipsal. So they are very much the trailblazers. And the other thing I want to say is with Richie already consuming all the alcohol from his show bag from the Clipsal 500 launch. Stay tuned for the rest of this program, folks. He's likely to say anything. He could even get himself into trouble. (laughs) Richard's
3: always in trouble. He's like me.
5: (laughs) Yeah, it could be be interesting.
1: i tell you what, they had uh, a member of the Chantese. Her name escapes me at the moment. Um, And they had Brian Mannix there as well from the Uncanny X-Men. And uh, they showed a, a clip of them playing on the big screen from the 80s and the place erupted in laughter. And then he walked up on the stage and everyone was a bit, oh, should we have laughed or shouldn't we? But he was cracking up as well and um, they were making all sorts of jokes. And, you know, the thing you strike talking to these artists, and they're actually quite approachable, is that they all actually want to go to these events because they get a massive crowd, they get a massive following. And most of these guys and girls, like motorsport, and they like these events. And actually, Brian raced in the, uh, the very first Celebrity Challenge held the Australian Grand Prix in 1985. So um, he's got a Mullet
5: connection to all.
3: the event. Yeah, that's right. It was Ali yeah. Fowler too there, Richard.
5: Ali Fowler, you're right. right. And um, Oh, and the one, I was going, going to, to ask, was the one in the uh, Sons and Daughters or the one, Toddy Goldsmith, that was the host of that sex yeah. program?
1: No, Ali. Uh, Toddy will be there. We're told um, that Ali Fowler was there, and um, and she actually she raced in the last uh, Celebrity Challenge in '95 at the last of the Grand Prix here in Adelaide, and uh, had a great time. So she's looking forward to coming back as well.
3: It's interesting too because Saturday night used to be Country Night at Clipsal, and uh, I think uh, didn't um, Adam Brand he had his like he had the booking he thought probably for the next fifteen years. Anyway, enough about music and more about racing and the critical thing is over the last few years Clipsal has got so big uh, as Richard was saying Luke and the the whisper and the talk around uh, around the uh, traps has been when will they go back to the Grand Prix length circuit because they can't fit the corporates in. Now, I'm not saying the Grand Prix circuit is the better circuit. I'm just saying that they are getting to critical mass on they've got people knocking down the door and they can't get them in to the premium boxes, which really make an event especially successful monetarily.
5: Well, there's two things I want to add there. Firstly, and Richie being the South Australian can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the old circuit being the longest circuit would cause more commuter Disruptions than the current one and the second thing is you're always better from a marketing and sales point of view to have uh competition for a limited number of seats or suites whatever you want to say thereby you can actually charge a premium for it so it's not the be all and end all to get as many in if you have the competition for those suites then you can charge a pretty penny mm. yeah i i agree with that especially
1: the last point um the longer one, look, traffic in Adelaide, you know, it's busy for 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night, so it's not a massive thing, I don't think, especially in the east end there, where they run up Rundle Street and then past the old brewery and, and onto decatable Terrace or Brabham Strait, as it's known. Um, I don't think it had caused massive chaos, and in the end, they had 11 years of doing it during the Grand Prix, and it was accepted and just became part of the norm as the current street closures have, but it is one of the appeals of the current circuit the, the shorter circuit that only a very limited number of main arterial roads out of the city get closed off which is a huge thing uh, and really does sort of make everything flow a little bit smoother so i, I personally i'd love to see them go back because i was a massive fan of the old circuit but the pluses for staying on the current one are that traffic issue cars go past the punters more often because it's a shorter lap but so they probably do uh, 10 or 15 more laps on the shorter circuit than they would the long one um, and I, I think that's probably... Um, it'll probably stay as it is. They can always make corporate boxes taller and wider and deeper if they need to and squeeze them in in all sorts of different places. So there's, there's more room for development.
3: Mm. Well, one thing that uh, Clipsal has set the path for, as you mentioned earlier, Luke, is the fact that they aren't afraid to put money into the facilities and into the, the punters' viewing areas to get the returns. And they get the big returns they're They're also the most creative and the, and the most risk-taking. We saw the pit building. We've seen the covered... Grand, we saw the grandstands get bigger and bigger, but now they're covered. And uh, I guess if, uh, if they have to, they have got a little bit of area to play in Victoria Park as well.
5: Yeah, I guess those old stands and that area is a little bit underutilised. And the point I want to make about that Main straight and now being covered for the first for the last couple of years is that I last year sorry the last race earlier this year was the pit lane reporter for the on course commentary team and I could not believe the atmosphere and how for it must be something like four five hundred metres there is a wall of people in that stand and when something happens out on the circuit particularly when a HRT car makes a successful passing move, uh, yeah. it's just this massive roar and it really rams home how important it is to have atmosphere and have that wall of people jammed in there and uh, from that just creates more and more atmosphere and uh, the will for people to come back.
3: Guys, uh, Pink, this week, or in fact, I, yeah, I think it was this week, uh, the Pink Advertising Campaign has won awards but we've seen sevens TV ratings down and also a lot of the tracks struggling to get crowd. So is this a case where uh, we might say on the Gruen transfer where the ad is fantastic and it's really promoted Pinkwell, but it perhaps hasn't hit the mark for V8 supercars?
1: Richard? Uh, look, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, when I first saw that ad, I mean, it's very well done. It's very well shot, very creative. You can see the budget that's going into it. And associating the branding of Pink and VH Supercars is great, and and I think that is a marketing bonus for VH Supercar to have a brand like Pink, who's bigger here than it is in the state, uh, associated with the sport. But I don't think the ad itself, and I never have, conveyed enough of VH Supercar racing and what it's about. There was a lot of Pink in a truck with drivers in racing suits, and if you're not following the sport closely, or if you're, you're not a VH or maybe slightly interested uh, or you're thinking about you know you want to be sold on going to a race I don't think that an ad does enough to sell the actual product of V8 you don't actually see the cars right at the very end for five seconds uh, and I don't think the ad's ever done enough to actually promote the sport and promote the event nature it does a great job of promoting pink it looks fantastic, it looks sexy um, they've got the drivers in there and then amongst it but I, I've never thought it goes far enough to actually building the sport. It does build the brand though and I think that's part of why they did it. It's not so much about hey come to a race meeting, it's hey V8 supercars in your face so in that respect I think it's worked. but I don't think it went far enough into actually selling the sport and the entertainment product that is V8 supercar racing.
3: Mm. Well it is year one Luke isn't it?
5: Yeah that's right. I agree entirely there with Rich. It is a fantastic statement that V8 supercars has made it to mainstream, you can argue whether it's main mainstream or or fringe mainstream, probably the latter and equally I do know there is a big job to be done by V8 supercars to educate the average folk on when the actual race meetings are on, I take my family and friends for instance, they're all fringe dwellers when it comes to V8 racing and they always they're forever asking me wherever I go whenever I see my family my friends, whatever, it's oh, what's the next race meeting you're going to? They don't tend to know when the actual races and meetings are on, and that is a, a huge disadvantage that V8 Supercars and probably all motorsport has over the football codes where, you know, every week your your team is going to be playing somewhere. So it's a matter of just looking it up on the day. So I uh, agree with Richie's the summary there. I'd like to see them take it to the next level and... and and get that information out when when the stars are actually performing. Yeah, and and your point there, Luke, about comparing
1: to the AFL, especially and uh, V8 Supercars. The AFL last year brought in their league of their own ad, which had a series of AFL players involved in other sports, and slowly but slowly they went through it. And you know, you had an AFL player in a soccer game and picking up the ball and doing AFL things with it. And that was a fantastic ad for promoting the sport as it was because it showed the different skill sets. It showed everything that was about AFL football, the atmosphere, the players, the people, um, you know, the, the the athleticism involved in it and stuff like that. Juddy and beating
3: think, the horses, mate.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you know, through the rally raid stuff and, you know, to get that point across that it was in a league of its own, which was their marketing campaign. And I think that was a brilliant ad. And it not only did it get people going, wow, this is cool, and build the brand, but it went people, hey, look, you know, it's a, an interesting sport, maybe I could do that, and therefore boosted their de- junior development that AFL's so good at. And the whole way through the sport, I think it helps. So maybe V8s need to take a look at campaigns like that in the future. But, you know, I, I think, you know, B-plus for the ad itself and building the brand, but probably a, a C for execution and actually building the sport mm. and getting people to watch it on telly or... um or um, go to the, the race
3: winning. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but we've got plenty more to talk about right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV.
2: Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars
3: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. It's V8X and the voice of the Fujitsu series, Luke West, along with Speed Week's Richard Crowell. And I'm interested to get your thoughts, Richard, firstly, about uh, as we're coming in towards the negotiations towards a new television deal, um, yeah. certainly the mail I'm getting is it's, it's not looking as vigorous de- um, debate and, uh, and uh, campaign for V8 supercars on TV and uh, that has a lot of ramifications because the teams own 75% of that TV deal when the money comes in.
1: Mm. I, I want to start this by saying that I, I think the V8 TV product itself is better now than it's ever been, and it's probably the best motorsport TV product going around with Crompton and Scaife, and the product they're producing is awesome. The ratings this year have not been impressive. Um, Case in point, Phillip Island 500, uh, few weeks ago, uh, I think across five capital cities on seven, and I apologise for not having any exact figures. Um, I've spent too much time getting free gift bags at the Eclipse at launch. Over five capital cities, I think it was about 380,000 viewers across the five capital cities in terms of ratings. The Grand Prix that night, uh, Italian Grand Prix, brilliant race, 1HD, they got 250 odd thousand. On the Channel 10 replay later on, they got another 130 odd thousand. So, almost line ball. Um, I I think that's got to be a massive concern for V8 Supercars. It's got to be a huge concern because ratings drive the dollar that comes in when the next TV rights deal is signed, which is the end of 2012, I believe. Um, So the better your ratings are, the more likely a network's going to come along and pay more money to get your sport because in the end, they want to show it, more people are watching, they can drive their ad revenue up and therefore make more money out of it. So... They're not good this year I think they know that as well um, They've got to find a way to drive them up While they're on 7 at the moment But I think what you're going to see guys in the future And very very soon in the future If not next year Is multi-channeling And this the digital revolution that's in place now I reckon you'll see some V8s popping over to 7 Make The new channel which starts this weekend With the AFL Grand Final Maybe 7-2 They've already started showing some supports on there um, and they'll use their three platforms Channel 7's got now to show it, and long-term, V8 Supercar could emerge on 1HD, it could emerge on you know, Channel 9's new offshoots they've got, or 10, or, or whatever it might be. So, really interesting time ahead, but I think there's work to be done for TV.
5: Luke? In, on that point of the multi, multi-channeling and digitals, that's one of the reasons that sport across the board has dropped its yep. ratings, uh, because, well, there's more than double the number of free-to-air television stations now than two years ago. So the whole market is being fracturing, and all the sports out there, all the TV programs except perhaps MasterChef, have experienced a drop in ratings. The other factor in all of this is that uh, when the last V8 supercar TV deal was... Um, Negotiated, rugby league was probably still in its post Super League hiatus and was still, and probably had a few scandals at that stage. In the last couple of years, rugby league, the NRL in particular, has made a massive gain and really huge ratings. Last Saturday night for the West Tigers, in fact it was Friday night, West Tigers Raiders game. There was over 600,000 people in Sydney alone, yeah. uh, and that's massive figures. So there's a real resurgence. So the NRL rights are up at pretty much the same time as the AFL rights. So all the channels are fighting over those two main codes first, and then it's a case of how does V8 supercars and the other sports uh, slot into it. The other point I want to make is that all the other sports outside AFL and NRL, all the codes, they would love to have V8 Supercars free-to-air TV deal in the number of hours it's got. So, yes, the ratings are down, but I know that it's more than that in the eyes of Seven, who sell their ad packages on the back of... Uh, well, it's a package with AFL. So... The supercars just slot in beautifully with their AFL programs, and that's AFL's the biggest sport. As much as some of the diehards get a bit frustrated about sometimes the V8's taking a back seat, doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's understandable when the biggest sport in the country is dictating that. So the two football codes, in more ways than one, are dictating what's going on with V8 supercars' television. And and you'll
1: bang on with that. And and it's going to change, as you said, in the next two years, the anti-siphoning regulations, which for those that don't know, are the regulations that prohibit or restrict major sports to free-to-air television so everybody who's got TV can watch them. Um, they're going to be changing in the next couple of years. Digital TV, as we said, is coming in. So, you know, if Channel 7 retains the rights to AFL and retains the right to V8 supercars, those clashes could be a thing of a past because... On the Prime 7 Channel, um, you could have an AFL game, but on 7-2, you could have the V8 Supercars. And on 7-3, they could have another AFL game or an NRL game if they get those rights, which I know they really badly
5: want. Um, There's a real good example there. Sorry to interrupt you, Rich, but for the Bathurst Telecast this year, there's going to be a Friday night program on the 7 Network, which is a look back at the history of the Great Race. The name of the program escapes me, but I read this today. And then that... Program that highlights that history heritage program is going to be replayed on Seven Mate on the Saturday. So that just illustrates yeah. your point of yeah. there's going to be more opportunities to view the V8 supercars, even though those audiences won't be potentially as large mm. in one yeah. go for
3: viewing. All right, we've got to keep moving on, and it is gas and go time. Gas and go time's brought to you by the Forex Gold V8 Supercar Survey. The Forex Gold Supercar Survey is your chance to have your say on your sport, V8 Supercars. So get online today and fill out. Have your say in the future of V8s, and it's perfect. We've got the 4 expert. On the program, Luke West, and uh, Luke, we'll start with you. Three minutes on the clock. I want to do this actually quicker than three minutes, so I'll keep saying. Will Dick Johnson, uh, well, Dick Johnson, will Stephen Johnson staying at uh, Jim Beam Racing and Dick Johnson Racing perhaps end the chances of Will Davison returning to that that team?
5: Yes, in one word, uh, perhaps you look to another team. Ford Performance Racing is. The, uh, the possibility for Will Davison if he's going to return to
1: Ford. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Stevie Davis at the Clifton launch today in very, very good spirits uh, said the only downside of my new deal is I have to put up with James Courtney off the track for another 12 months. But he said that's worth dealing with to drive one of these great cars at DJR. So he's happy. Oh, I'm happy. I think it's great. Davo is going to have to look elsewhere.
3: Well, it's interesting. Scott Dixon was in the uh, shops at Kelly Racing this week and there had been a bit of whisper that Ryan Briscoe might be back in Australia in time for Bathurst, Richard.
1: Uh, my word on that, Craig, I think HRT released earlier this week that they're retaining their uh, Phillip Island, the LNH 500 combination, so they'll stay as they were, which I think is probably a good thing given their... Uh, Pretty major races. Uh, Briscoe's still in for the Armoral 600 on the Gold Coast. He's one of the, the ring-in internationals like Scott Dixon and Will Power. Top five in the IndyCar ranks actually coming down for that event. So, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's all good. I think you'll see Briscoe on the Gold Coast, but not on the mountain. Nope. You don't really have any... Anything to add to that one so let's
5: move on
3: <laughs> all right then hey uh, the gold coast internationals they have just continued their winning form at their home series and uh, i'm interested to see what you think how much help all this winning in their series is going to do for them at the arm royal 600
5: well i guess their confidence will be high but apart from that it'll have very little bearing on their ability to get a 8 supercar around that circuit though some of them will have particularly the IndyCar drivers, obviously will have a bit of knowledge of the circuit, even though it is in an abbreviated form for this year. So not all that much is the answer.
1: Richard? No, agreed. Um, The only people I think that are going to jump out straight out of the boat and be quick are Briscoe and Power, because they've both been very quick in V8s in the past, recently in the past, relatively. Other guys are going to struggle. All it does, though, guys, I think is, you know, if you can promote... Uh, David Brabham, ALMS champion, you know, Dario or Will Power, hopefully IndyCar champion. It just adds a bit more credibility to what they're trying to do on the Gold Coast for this year's event. And, you know, it it gives them more things to list, I guess, in the press release of saying, okay, well, these are the guys we've got coming down uh, to grow this race.
3: All right. Now, how dumb were IndyCars, Richard, for dumping that Service Paradise race? Because all the drivers are going to be here for it.
1: I could start... I could talk for hours on this really, 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 really really stupid... They, they had their reasons. Um, I think they're regretting it because they are looking back into Australia now, but um, that ship has sailed. I think that's a V8 supercar event now. Well and truly, if IndyCar wants to race in Australia, they'll have to go elsewhere, but they're um,
5: yeah, bad move. Luke? In a nutshell, the IndyCar series decided against returning to Australia because it didn't work for them to race down under in late October. And late October was the time the Queensland government was prepared to have them and pay them to come down here, remembering the whole point of that whole racing carnival, or you know, half the reason for it, is to fill restaurants and hotel rooms on an otherwise quiet weekend or two, before the schoolies and schoolies week and school holidays, and after the October lot of school holidays. So, neither the twain could meet with those two uh, entities, uh, the date, the preferred date of the Queensland, it wasn't workable for the IndyCar
3: series. Mm. Now, will Luke will the Singapore deal be signed, and we'll see the V8s as part of the Formula One program next year?
5: Oh, well, that's the word. I don't. I really have not much of a clue on this one. While I'm um, confident in my assertions about IndyCar racing on the Gold Coast and all of that, I don't know too much to be honest about the whole Singapore deal. But it sounds like it's happening. Will it be signed this weekend? Well, I guess we'll find out this time next week. Yes. I,
1: I hope it is. I'm due for a holiday in 12 months, and I think a trip to Formula 1 and V8 to Singapore in 12 months' time would be a perfect destination for R. Crail. So uh, I hope it is. It gives me a good excuse to go up there. Not that you need one.
3: That's Guess and Go for another week, brought to you by the Forex Gold V8 Supercar Survey. Luke West, always a pleasure having you on the show.
5: No worries, Craig, and see you, listeners, and Richie Rich. Up on the mountain in a couple of weeks. And uh, West, Westy West, looking forward
1: to calling <laughs> some touring car masters racing with you up there too. It should be great.
3: And that's, uh, well, that's the round table for this week. The white flag lap is up next. And on the white flag lap, we're going to hearken your memories back to the year 2000 and to the track Orem Park. Luke West knows it well because it didn't end well for Mark Larkin and Paul Morris. That's next on the V8 Insiders.
2: Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders.
3: On this week's White Flag Lap, we look back at one of the incidents that is featured in V8X Magazine in its 10th anniversary edition. One of the big crashes of V8 supercars was at Oran Park in 2000. The incident was triggered by Larry Perkins getting away very slowly from the start line. Morris slammed into the back of him, and then it was chaos from there.
1: Yeah.
2: Whoa, wow. oh, I hope he gets out of that yeah, in a hurry. He's, he's out of it. Did out out of you see the speed of that oh, oh, Look, it's going over to I,
1: Paul, hope Paul Morris' gets car. out of the car OK here. Whoa, that's oh, going go Oh, no, there's fuel everywhere.
2: Larcom's yeah. out of the car. I hope Paul Morris got out. Goodness me, I hope the Fire Marshals get on the scene there quickly. I think he's out. Yeah, he's out. Well, he's out. Ooh, good work of the, like the Fire Marshals. They're in there within seconds, but did you see that fuel trail? And Paul's struggling there.
3: He's not well. Well, he got a major hit up the back. We caught up with Paul Morris and Mark Larkham and talk to them about their recollections of that crash part of the deal innit? it says it on your ticket there it's dangerous so
4: half a chance you're going to be involved in something something along the lines when we looked at the data afterwards I hit the back of his car at 146 kilometres an hour uh, I got my, my foot to the brake pedal for a tenth of a second which is absolutely nothing um, and, and, and it was. It was one of those classic instances that people talk about where your whole life goes before you in that billy second before you make contact. So I really thought, you know, you're not going to get away with this one. And, and remembering this, that was um, pre-hands device. And uh, probably the weirdest thing about it is my seatbelts in that car were fastened, three-inch wide, by the way, fastened to the roll cage directly behind my seat. And um, they were your seat belts are always at their tightest at the start of the race because you sit on the grid and you watch drivers they tighten them and tighten them and tighten them and tighten them but in any instance when I made the contact I still managed to bust the front of my helmet on the steering wheel. Now I got back in the car or a car later and I, I can't work out for the life of me how that happened um, I'd say the old neck had a reasonable old
3: stretch. <laughs> Have you had any uh, lasting injuries from that incident? Like, Yeah look it's always
4: problem. problem and always will be but I'm not that worried about it, mate. You know, knew yeah, the job was dangerous when I took it, and uh, can happen to anyone, any time. Knocked me around for a couple of weeks, but um, no, nah, they build them pretty tough out the country. You know how it works, you know. So, uh, nah, nah, look, I just look back and think I was very, very fortunate, and it says a lot about uh, the safety of the car. I mean, the only regret I have, uh, or sorry, a regret I have, is that I didn't keep the car. Um, we crushed it because it was wrecked. The, the, the impact went right back through the roll cage, right into the back of the car. I've got the car still sitting there at the shop, so it's walk past it every day, but it doesn't not really worry me too much. I noticed Paul still got his car as a bit of a museum piece, and I think it would have been just great to have my, my car shoved up its butt, um, uh, you know, to, to just relive that little moment now and then.
3: So if you've never seen the Oran Park crash, make sure you have a copy of VATX magazine. I'm sure you'll be quite amazed. That both drivers were able to get out of it alive. That's all we have time for today on the V8 Insiders. My thanks to Paul Morris and Mark Larkham for reliving those memories. As the chequered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more
2: V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.